This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have everyone here today, and we have a great service ahead as, as we look at sort of part two of forgiveness and, and what does it mean. You know, I, I, there's a number of places in the Bible where it talks about forgiveness, and actually the definition is to release from one's grasp. And that a beautiful definition. We're going to be looking at some other ways maybe to hold forgiveness as well. Last week we looked at self-forgiveness and how hard that is, but how it's a really important starting point. And today what we're looking at is, is a, a sort of a sacred, no, like the spiritual journey always has three parts to it. It has an initial yes, then it has a sacred no, followed by a yes with a capital Y. So it always goes this yes, and then a sacred no, and then a bigger yes appears. And today we're kind of looking at that sacred no about well, how is it that we, we give up revenge? All of us, I think, have a little bit of a vigilante in us. Right? Always have just that little bit. And, and maybe you're not like, you know, you're not like the new Batman movie where you want to, you know, really do that thing. But, but isn't there just that subtle little thing about like, yeah, you know, a little vengeance should be mine. May not be a bad thing. And that's what we want to look at today. Even in those places where it's really passive. You know, where, you know, one of my favorite ones when, when there's, when there's situations that, that I don't like is the silent treatment. And actually, that's a form of vengeance in and of itself. So we're going to look at it. We've got, again, a very meaningful service ahead for you, you know, to to really start to pull this apart. Look and see what God has to offer about maybe a way forward. Maybe a way forward. So what I want to get started on, for those of you who who haven't been to New Church Live before, we do a fair amount of texting in church. And it was kind of funny this morning. I got a call from somebody up in Massachusetts asking me to help them get on the live stream. Asking me a technology question is an adventure at any time. So I'm certainly hoping you're watching. Um, For those of you who saw where we were this week, I'm certainly hoping Charlie Sheen is watching. Um, You know, great... Great to kind of think about, like, revenge, and what does revenge mean? And this question here, why is revenge appealing? Like, what is the actual appeal of revenge? So feel free to talk about that with somebody. If you're an online audience, feel free to shoot me in a text. We're going to take 60 seconds to get an answer for that. All right? Go ahead. All right. So the vengeance thing justifies the resentment. They deserve what they got. Revenge does not make you feel as vulnerable as forgiveness does. That's a good one. Uh, Because it's easy to get revenge on someone. Feeling justice has been served. That's coming from the Carolinas. Validation. It feels like somehow it fixes the hurt. Really good. Um, The idea of, quote, I got you last. It's appealing because it satisfies our ego. This one I totally get. It get, means I get to be right with 15 exclamation points at the end. My pride, being right. Uh, because it means I'm right. Hurt people hurt people. These are all such good ones. And I'll come back to some more later on. Those are really good ones, folks. And I, and I think like we, we got to get that it does. See, this is the crazy part. Revenge is tough because guess what? It feels good. It actually feels Good to sort of think that we have that power. But forgiveness cannot function in that environment. 
And how is it that we can start to look at it? Well, again, one of the beautiful parts about the Bible is that we know again and again that God talks about this stuff. And it kind of gives us a, a, a third way. Like, you know, I, I just, I love Facebook and I hate Facebook, right? Because you see these arguments over these things. And it's like, it's either all this or all this. And I feel like we need to keep coming back to deeper messages. You know, churches are not about going to the left or going to the right. They're about going deeper. Really trying to find what is, what is really true about the human condition, about, about the image and likeness of God that we're made in. And then how do we really speak to that in a way that actually starts to anchor us? That actually starts to anchor us. So the story I want to share with you is one of my, it's one of my favorite ones. Actually, it's, a, it's sort of a funny story. It's a funny story, uh, you know, of, of a couple of people acting very much like the way I think we would, or I should say, very much the way I would. So this is a story from the Gospel of Luke. And there's four Gospels, each giving a different account of Christ's life. And what happens is that these, 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 they're out on a journey. They're walking towards Jerusalem. That's where we pick up the story. As the time approached for, be, for Christ to be taken up into heaven, uh, up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So he's kind of got a beat on it. They're headed towards Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. The, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So that's the, that's the very first part we're looking at. And so he's, he's traveling along, he's headed towards Jerusalem, kind of the capital at that time. And then they come upon this, this small little Samaritan village. Look at this picture, this next picture here. They come upon this small little village. A couple of the disciples, a couple of the people who follow him go in and they're, they're like checking it out. And these people aren't very welcoming long story behind that, but there was a cultural difference. And this is where the story, I think, becomes a little bit funny, where we can smile and kind of see ourselves. Two of Jesus's kind of right-hand people were James and John. And if you look at, if you look at how they're described in the Bible, they're actually described as the sons of thunder. Now, Marcus and I are going to play a little game here. We're going to change the sound on it. Marcus, are you ready? They were the sons of thunder. When they were, let's do it one more time. Sons, sons of thunder. You know, and, and that's what they, they were like. They were, they were all in. You can imagine sort of the sons of thunder and they were going into this village and like the village says no. So of course, what kind of reaction are they going to have? They're going to be thinking about vengeance, revenge over and over and over again. They're going to be playing that around in their heads. And that's where we pick up the story here. When the disciples, James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call, say the F word there, to call, to call fire down from heaven to destroy them. All guilty raised their hand. Wouldn't you love that button? You know, like you, you just, you just got it. You just got a picture like them going up like, hey, should I call fire down? I mean, it's a great, it's a great, 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 great story. And again, I think the audience would have done what you just did. They would have laughed. But that's the, did you get that's why the Bible's so good? Because it's so human. These people are every bit as screwed up as you and me. And they're wanting to do this, this crazy stuff. Like, I could just mention, oh yeah, that's what I want you to do. Call down fire. Please do. <laughs> you know, like, look, like crazy. 
crazy, 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 crazy. Well, what was happening was, was these, these two disciples were going back to what they knew. They were going back to their past. Way back in the Old Testament, like way back this part of the Bible, there's an old story from Elijah, this old prophet, old, old, old prophet. And the story, in this story, way back when, Elijah does this. Elijah answered the captain, if I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. They were like, I want to be that. That's so cool. And yet here's something. It's really funny. Isn't it? and, and yet, yet here's Christ. And that's just, that's just is not in the character of Christ. Not in the least. You can imagine just that, that this didn't fit at all. And yet it's so incredibly human. You know, Christ is, is constantly like, like he's looking at, 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 at the way we tend to do things. And it's this gentle bending to maybe learning to see it a little bit differently. So these are the words that he actually offers here. But Jesus turned and, please say the R word there, but Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Now as the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to think, like, what would that rebuke have actually been? You know, what would that rebuke have looked like? I mean, I, I sort of imagine Christ going like, really? Really? You can see, folks, that, that he's trying here. He's trying here to point them to a different game, to a different way of seeing the world, a place where forgiveness can actually reign and we can learn to let it go. Not easy to do. Just like those disciples, we can find justifications why it shouldn't be that way. But when we come back, we're going to look at some really poignant, pointed stuff that shows exactly why that's the direction we need to move in our lives. So I want to talk more about like that, that, those problems of forgiveness. Again, you folks had great responses, you know, in terms of what the challenges are and why it's so appealing. I want to share with you a list here about what I see as some of the problems are with revenge. So some of the problems of revenge, this is from Rob Bell and a lot of other people sharing their thoughts. It inevitably escalates into new layers of pain. You see that in a family system, right? Where forgiveness doesn't, forgiveness hasn't occurred, so it keeps on going and going and going. And every time it goes around, the loop grows. And that can be really dangerous. We often can't articulate what getting even looks like beyond they should suffer. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I, I just want to get even. Well, what does that look like? That they get theirs. What does that look like? That they suffer. Do you really want to be in the game of making sure someone else suffers? Yeah, not, not a good game to be in. Keeps pain and violence in circulation. I'm going to have you say that, that whole one with me, because I, that's the one for me that kind of captures it. Keeps pain and violence in circulation. If I am challenged around forgiving, I can become in such pain and in such anger and such upset 
that I sort of, it becomes like this growing hurricane that just grows and grows and grows. And then anywhere I go out in my life, I, I start to, to just kind of become the weather there as well. This one's really difficult because, again, pain is real. Suffering is real. Many of you have been wronged in ways that are horrible. But how do we break out of that cycle? Folks, folks, this is, this is again why I think Eva Core is so significant. Like, let me share you, share a story with you that we know as I was listening, getting ready for, for tomorrow night. You know, Eva's memory of, of last memory of her parents was, was she's standing on the platform at Auschwitz. She's with her, her twin sister, Miriam. And a German officer comes up to her and, and, and says, are those your twins? To her mom, excuse me. And, and she says, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And the officer goes, that's a really good thing. And so her mom goes, yes, they're my twins. And that's, that's Eva's memory as a 10-year-old is being pulled away from her mom as her mom and the rest of her family. That's the last time she sees them. Isn't that like heartbreaking? But Eva has found a way not to keep pain and violence in circulation. And a lot of people have, because if, if that pain and violence stays in circulation, it, it doesn't take long to see where that goes. Anywhere you look, you see it. So very important to think about that point. Waiting for them to suffer and or get theirs is a rather toxic form of waiting. That one's mine. <laughs> you know, I, cause I, I just, I just think that's really important. Like, let's not wait that way. Let's have a different kind of waiting. So how maybe could we handle, what might be a way, like, like to really handle something that's, that's a deep challenge, that's deeply wounding in our lives? I think for some people, like, like sometimes this work, um, it involves another person. This, this is a little bit of a tricky one. I'm going to throw this out here, so please listen very carefully. For some people, this work actually involves their work with God. They're really challenged forgiving God. Because this happened, or this happened, or this happened. And that's based on an idea, you know, just a little background for you, a little color commentary on it. It's based on the idea that God actually tests us. You know, that God's, God decided, like, to make me sick so that he would see how strong I am. That's not how God works. Not how God works. God does not test that way. So I just want to add that in there. If you're wrestling with that, something to take a look at. How then should we take a look at forgiveness and really start to like, like, let's, 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 let's leave here with some real tools for how to do this. Well, I want to start out with tool number one. What you have to do is you have to sit with the story. You want to, let's spell sit together. Ready? S-I-T. That's how you remember it. S-I-T. You have to sit with the story. And what does that mean? We have to describe the event. Then we have to figure out what did it mean? What did it cost you in terms of, please read those three, safety, identity, trust, S-I-T. That's Desmond Tutu, by the way. You know, so I have to, I have to be clear, like, this thing happened. We mentioned last week, it bears repeating over and over again. Sometimes forgiving is forgetting, sometimes forgiving is remembering. Real important. Sometimes it's forgetting, sometimes it's remembering. So can I have the courage? Can I have the courage? Because it takes courage, folks. It takes courage to be able to really sit with something, to be able to get really clear 
What did this cost me in terms of safety? What did it cost me in terms of identity? And what did it cost me in terms of trust? And then once we're clear on the event, folks, this is one that I would take a picture of. This is one I would write down. This is one if you have a big Sharpie and you can write the whole way across your arm, I would do it. This is such a significant thing, what I'm about to tell you. So we get clear. We get clear. This is what it cost me. Safety, identity, trust. And then I have to ask this all-important question. Can we ask, let's read this together. Can we ask new questions of old stories? Is that good? I mean, I think that's new church form of regeneration right there. So I got my old stories. Can I ask new questions of them? I mean, right there, folks, like, just imagine, like, like you have this story that's just has created a lot of pain in your life. What are the new questions that you really need to ask of it? What are those new, like, really think about that. What are those new questions that I need to ask that can actually start moving life forward in a life-giving way? Because see, if, if we don't, if we don't do that, if we don't start to, 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 to ask those new questions, the stories become this. They become alive and they become wrong. Alive because they're very present, but they're wrong. Now, now I want to talk to that a little bit because I'm, I'm not saying wrong like, in other words, you don't have the facts right. Like, who am I to say what your facts are? I don't know. They're wrong for this reason. And you need to follow me a little bit on here. Life, you know, I, was, I had a great time talking at the, uh, the a marriage conference yesterday. And I said, we need to always remember the difference between a snapshot and a movie. Right? Snapshot and a movie. The challenge with really hard memories, really hard memories, is not what we remember, but how we remember it. So I have a really challenging memory. You know, I, I have a number of them in my life. I'm sure all of us do. I'm sure all of us could, could share that, that, that cost you in terms of safety, identity, and trust. And, and, and here's the challenge. I can take that, that, and instead of seeing it as a movie, please fill in the blank here, instead of seeing it as a movie, I see it as a snapshot. Now here's the challenge. It becomes this, this sort of this malignancy becomes this power of example where, where here's my whole life in this, in this broad cinema. And what I do is I, I focus in on this one picture and I lift that picture up out of the movie that is my life. And, and it, there is a time for looking at it. But if I keep on going back to asking the same questions, most of which deal with revenge, frankly, like I can't wait till they get theirs. If they only knew how much they hurt me, I can't believe that happened. I didn't deserve it. I keep on going back to my old questions. Instead of answering new ones, listen to this. The problem is I lift that example out of the movie of my life. I hold it here as the picture. And then you know what I do? I put it right back down and it becomes the whole movie of my life. where now I live this event. You see it with people who struggle with, you know, they're still wounded from, a, from an event that happened 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Because that, that snapshot now has been lowered and it's become the whole movie. 
Yes, no answer. Are you free if that is the occasion? Yes or no? No, you're not free. You're not free. Because you're always going to be seeing that through that lens. Now, folks, that, that does not mean like, like you don't go up to somebody who's got some real pain that they've carried for 30 years. You don't go up to them and say, get over it. That's not how it works. It is about sitting with it. Sitting with it. Figuring out, are there, ask them, ask them. Are there new questions that you could ask of those old stories? Just ask them. I bet you they'll have some pretty good answers. And then number two, can we do this? Can I release and entrust him or her? I'm going to have you say the B word there. Can I release and entrust him or her to something bigger? That's Desmond Tutu as well. Can I simply release them to something bigger? You know, the image, the image that came to me when I, when I look at the, the things that, the places where I was wronged in my life that I can still tell a huge story about. You know, can I take that and just get that, that there's this river, new church, we call that divine providence, God's, God's providence that holds the whole thing, and that they're in it too. You know, one very cold, you know, being on a cold day, one very cold story I remember so well as a kid. I've shared this in here before. It's still like, oh my goodness, it's still a snapshot that I can make into a movie. Was I guess I was, I must have been about eight years old. I'm down the road sledding, sledding with, with three friends. Again, I lived in the middle, like literally like the middle of nowhere. I mean, seeing a stoplight was a big deal where I came from. And, and, and being way out there, and all of a sudden these three boys I was with took off. And I'm left on a hill, it's cold, about two miles from my house, no one's around, they've run away. I need to be clear about, yeah, what that costs, but, but then I also need to like, I need to, I need to find a way to, to sort of entrust that journey to something bigger. That there's a bigger picture there. Maybe in some way, maybe, maybe, I don't know this is true. Maybe in some way that just made me a little bit more aware of when someone isn't feeling part of a crowd. Maybe. I like to think maybe it shifted just a little bit. But that's what that entrusting it to something bigger really is all about. So I sit with it. Then I try to think, are there any new questions here that I need to ask of this old story? And then can I entrust it to something bigger, a bigger picture? See, that's a much more realistic flow of forgiveness, I think. And folks, you can even do it with people who've passed away. Maybe there's work there for you. Go through the same thing. Sit down with me. Sit down with someone. Join one of these forgiveness groups. Work through that flow so you get to be free. Now, I want to show you folks an example of this. I, uh, you know, I'm going to give you a heads up. This is a, this is a video that's, that's intense. It's not like over the top intense, but it's a bit intense. And, and what I want you to see in this is, is I'm hoping you can see like, okay, this is where this guy's really clear about where he is. He's really, really clear about the new questions that he's having to ask his stories. He's really clear about entrusting it to something bigger.
It's a video I used when I was, I was talking about sort of overcoming the darkness of Christmas with, just, with a small group that we had. It's a beautiful video, beautifully, incredibly moving video about a young father coming to terms after the Paris attacks with the death of his wife. And you're going to see in this, this you're going to see this wrestling. You're going to see the forgiveness isn't easy. You're going to see ragged edges in everything. But you're going to see somebody who's very willing to ask new questions of old stories. Take a look at this video. On Friday night, you stole away the life of an exceptional being. The love of my life, the mother of my son, but you will not have my hatred. I do not know who you are, and I don't want to know. You are dead souls. If the God for whom you killed so blindly made us in his image, each bullet in my wife's body would have been a wound in his heart. Therefore, I will not give you the gift of hating you. You have obviously sought it, but responding to it with anger would be to give in to the same ignorance that has made you what you are. You want me to be afraid, to cast a mistrustful eye on my fellow citizens, to sacrifice my freedom for security, you lost. Same player, same game. I saw her this morning, finally after nights and days of waiting. She was just as beautiful as she was when she left on Friday evening. As beautiful as when I fell madly in love with her more than 12 years ago. Of course, I'm devastated with grief. I will give you that tiny victory. But this will be a short-term grief. I know that she will join us every day and that we will find each other again in a paradise of free souls, which you will never have access to. We are only two, my son and I, but we are more powerful than all the world's armies. In any case, I have no more time to waste on you. I need to get back to Melville, who is waking up from his afternoon nap. He's just 17 months old. He'll eat his snack like every day, and then we're going to play like we do every day. And every day of his life, this little boy will insult you with his happiness and freedom. Because you don't have his hatred either. Antoine Harris. That's incredibly powerful, right? What I'd love to do is I'd actually love to hear your thoughts. I'd love for you to take a minute and to consider, yeah, what was so powerful there? Where did you maybe hear, uh, you know, a, a new question of an old story? What struck you with what he said? And, uh, you know, I want to just hear from you folks. We also got some great questions from our online audience that I want to come back to that really kind of helps to like us to really think about this as a group. So I'm going to be walking off the stage, and what I'd ask you to do is just raise your hand and just, why was this powerful? What was powerful about it to you when you saw this video? That question makes sense? All right. So I'm going to walk off the stage here.
There you go. He said he was able to move on and enjoy life. Yeah, and his, his enjoyment of life. Did you notice in there as well, one of the things that struck me about what he said, did, did, what did he talk about his life like right now? Like, was he in a happy place today? No, he talks about his life just being crushed. Like, I will give you that. I'll give you my life is crushed for today. That's good. It's not about avoiding that stuff. There's another hand. Someone else want to share something? I live in mortal fear of feedback from these speakers, just so you know. These speakers. Go ahead. He really came to know that um, hatred was a loss yeah. and that the only way he was going to be able to triumph over this was to not give back what they had given. Wow. I love that, Kay. Like, like that idea like that the hatred here was a loss. That the hatred was a loss. I love this uh, whole comment because it shows me that you don't attach a name to a god and therefore it becomes a global message. So if we all can take up this attitude, we would have peace in this entire world. Amen, brother. <laughs> you know, that, that idea like universe, one song, like it is about that humanity reaching higher than, than, than the anger and the upset. Like that's, that's why, again, this, this series is so important. You know, it's, it's such a big thing. It's such a timely topic. I want you all to tell my wife I did my running today. So um, I learned that the things that you can't be with or forgive uh, can rule your life. And um, so that, that gentleman would not let this rule his life or his children's. So. And I want to come back to that point. Wouldn't let it rule his life. And because he's not going to let it rule his life, guess what else? It's not going to rule his kid's life. You know, the kid will grow up with the sorrow of it, but it won't grow up with the baggage of it in the same way. Uh, love wins. Love wins. Love wins, just that simple. Love wins. He chooses to break that cycle of uh, hatred and violence. That cycle, that cycle that starts to break and the difference that can make. Please give everyone a round of applause there for speaking. Those, those are really big, folks, what you said. And, and, and again, like it, it, just, it just doesn't make it easy. Like I, I think forgiveness is really hard, and it just needs to come by. Like I hear stories who've been hurt, of people who've been hurt in very real ways. And, you know, I, I do, I just want to honor that. I want to honor how hard life really is. A lot of the time, people hurt people in unimaginable ways. It costs us safety. It costs us identity. It costs us trust. I mean, those, those are real. That's not like made up. And 
those things are true? And, and how do we maybe find a way to have the conversation? And the conversation, if you choose to have this conversation, I want to be clear, it's going to be ragged. It's not going to be like a nice geometric proof where at the end you go like, forgiven. <laughs> it's not how it works. As many of my friends say all the time, it's progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. Some other questions, folks, um, that people had that I just thought were, were so good. Um, somebody said, you know, well, what do you, what do you, what do you do when, when somebody's still hurting other people? And, and yet you're working on forgiveness and you still see the same pattern again and again. I think that forgiveness can be, you can't have forgiveness at the same time you can have accountability. We're not, it's not about saving someone from, from, from being accountable. It's not, it's not saving someone from the, from the, you know, from whatever comes out of their actions. It's not saving them from that. It's, it's just this. It's just not playing God anymore. It's just not playing God anymore. Someone else said, well, where do we know the difference? Great question. You know, so somebody can't send in a question. How do we know the difference between when it's the time to remember and when is the time to forget? That's a great question. I hope one of you has a really good answer. <laughs> I don't really know. What I, what I imagine is that remembering rightly is remembering so that there can be healing. And if the memory is not somehow moving towards healing, I, I think maybe we need to look at that. So I would say again, healing is the, healing is kind of the, the, the buzzword there. It's what we need to think about. The peace folks that I want to share with you now is, is just a piece of new church that I think speaks to the, what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to hold it as best we can. And it's just talking about angels. How do angels hold this stuff? Angels don't wish the retaliation of evil for evil, but forgive, please say the last word, but forgive freely. They just forgive freely. I, I, I think... That idea of forgiving freely, that idea of like, how, how do I wrestle with this again in, in messy ways? I think it's, it's so significant. I don't even know, like, it's, it's always a challenge as a, as a pastor, you know, when you feel like we're living in really hard times. You know, how, how do you, how do you in, in, in a way, cause again, I'm, I'm just such a, I'm a Joe bag of donuts kind of guy. And, and how do you, how do you even articulate like how significant this is for us even to wrestle with it? Because, because it, we, we just, we live in a world that so badly is looking for that third way. And we live in a time period that's very deconstructionist. What that means is that literally like it's all about tearing everything down. So churches, how do we tear them down? Political parties, how do we tear them down? These things, how do we tear them down? 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 And so everything kind of gets flattened. And does anybody else feel that way sometimes? Like, 
And, and yet I, I feel like we, as a church, we need to continue to be speaking to something that sort of moves us above that. Forgiveness is one of those things. One of those things that we can really work on and bring into the world. A world that actually needs this, that actually needs new questions, you know, of old stories in a very enlivening way. So again, this week, maybe sit down with a friend, sit down with me, walk through the process. Sit with what happened. Then secondly, start to take a look at are there any new questions here that I can ask of my old stories? And then start to think, can I actually entrust this to something bigger? I think you'll find forgiveness there. Part of a sacred no that actually moves us to a yes. And the last part, folks, I'd ask you to consider. You know, please come tomorrow night. I think the story that she's going to share is just going to be amazing. I think the small groups you can take part in are going to be amazing. You'll be able to sign sign up for them out there in the lobby as we continue this incredibly critical journey, a journey of forgiveness. Thank you for joining us here today. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, allow us to to continue to ask these questions about forgiveness. Stir in our heart, Lord, uh, maybe a new way of holding things. Acknowledging, Lord, that there is pain. There is deep pain. And Lord, with that pain, that while there may not be a cure, that there can always be this. There can always be healing. A deep healing, Lord. Born of love. Born of compassion. Born of a desire to move forward in our lives. Be in that place. In your name, we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 